everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sage Without a Stage. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that uh, everybody should really know about, um, but not many people really discuss, um, and that is PowerPoint. Uh, or just general presentation software. I'll focus on PowerPoint um, because that is mainly the software that people use. Um, I mean, there's other ones. There's like Keynote, there's Google Slides, all that sort of thing. But the idea that um, PowerPoint is the main one, um, and we'll uh, just talk about the pedagogy behind it and all that sort of thing. Um, so based on the little research that I did, basically I just did a Google search, um, PowerPoint was uh, first created by a company called Forethought Inc. Uh, in the 80s. Um, they had some issues with uh, copyright. They wanted to actually call it presenter, but I mean, that's such a generic term, right? They couldn't really um, get copyright names and things like that, so they actually changed it to PowerPoint. Um, that was created or released in 1987. Um, it was then quickly snapped up by Microsoft, and it was uh, embedded into their first office suite, uh, I believe that was in 1990. Um, and the, really the rest is history. Everybody knows PowerPoint. Everybody has used it at some point or in some form. Um, but generally, um, PowerPoint is, I mean, what purpose does it serve, right? Um, if you went to school before 1987, but in the 80s, 70s, 60s, whenever, um, there were these things called overhead projectors. And sometimes you can still spot them in schools around the world, in, uh, sometimes in a back closet, sometimes actually out um, in class, right? Um, but what these things were, basically there was like a transparent glass, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, transparent glass uh, surface, uh, a light was projected from underneath, that light shone through a lens which reflected it at an angle at a 45 or a 90 degree angle sorry um, and that went up on the on a screen so you those these are the things that had uh, plastic transparencies that you could use a pen to write on so you could actually write on uh, these transparencies and it would be projected up onto a screen somewhere um, so before this was a way to actually uh, put writing up, put pictures up, things like that. Before that, we used slide projectors, right? There was, um, I think there was uh, companies out there that would actually make up custom 35 millimeter slides with text, with images, things like that, um, to augment uh, a, a verbal presentation, right? So the purpose, obviously, for PowerPoint and any other sort of visual thing uh, is to bring a visual element to a spoken presentation, okay? Um, so after we had the transparencies, um, I'm old enough to remember that we actually had um, basically transparent LCD screens that you would actually place on an overhead projector. And what that did was it hooked up to a laptop or a computer, and it would actually display uh, your PowerPoint presentation, something like that, or whatever software you were using, onto the overhead projector, and that would in turn beam up 90-degree mirror thing all over the wall. Uh, oh, not the wall, but the um, projection screen. Um, and then we came out with uh, LCD projectors, DLP projectors, all of those uh, hardware innovations that let us uh, just easily project our presentations on the wall. Or on the, I keep on saying wall, but it's actually a screen. It can be on a wall, whatever. Um, 
So again, the purpose is to add a visual element to a verbal presentation. And in, in um, academic terms, that is usually a lecture. So given the title of this podcast is Sage Without a Stage, this definitely ties into the whole idea of Sage on a stage, right? You've got your um, lecture being given. And I mean, there's a great article that came out um, in the New York Times. I think it was an opinion piece by uh, Molly Worthen called Lecture Me, really. Really, really good read there because what she's doing is she's actually advocating for the lecture and a difference between the lecture and a presentation. Because if you've ever attended like a scientific lecture where there's really uh, no uh, visual element to it at all, or any, it doesn't have to be scientific, but any other lecture, um, there's an element of storytelling in that. There's an element of skill and there's an element of being able to bring your audience along on a journey with you as far as the information you're trying to give them, as far as your presentation style. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to think about the difference between, well, what is a lecture versus what is a presentation? And when we're thinking about uh, the pedagogical purpose of presentation software, of course, it's to add a visual element to um, information we're giving across. Um, but where does that line get drawn, right? When can you give a lecture but not use a PowerPoint? When can you use a PowerPoint but not give a lecture? And I've encountered some folks over the years who don't really see the difference between uh, giving a PowerPoint presentation and the concept of teaching. Like the, to some people, and uh, unfortunately this is the case with some people, is that they see the two as synonymous. Um, and, and maybe that's just due to the whole idea of like we teach the way we were taught, right? If we went to an undergrad university uh, in the 90s, 2000s, even earlier than that, even with overhead projectors and things like that, um, there's this idea that teaching equals presenting. Presenting equals teaching. Lecturing equals teaching. And that is true to a certain extent. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, but it's the idea that being able to separate the act of teaching, the act of facilitating learning um, from presenting, right? If, if you are a teacher and you can't really think of any other way to teach than giving a PowerPoint, uh, then I would say maybe let's think outside the box a little bit, okay? So again, pedagogical function of PowerPoint is just to present visual information. Uh, there's a slippery slope to this, though. I'm sure we've all sat in lectures or PowerPoint. For you. Can you sit in a PowerPoint presentation? I think so. <laughs> sitting in a presentation or sitting in a lecture where everything that is said verbally is actually on the screen in front of you. Um, too many times, I'm sure we've all seen this, where you're looking at a presentation slide and it's like war and peace. It's like Tolstoy got up there and just wrote every single thing that is said on the slide. And then are we expected to read that? Um, sometimes. I would hope not. Um, but the idea there is that and, and you can go to good websites and things like that, and they'll give you tips. And some universities even have uh, workshops and tips on uh, how to give good presentations. But that's generally something that we shy upon, right? We don't want to be putting too many words up there because it's not – presentations aren't meant to be something to be read. There's something to add – a visual element to what's already being said, right? So if you're making certain points, point one, two, three, four, yeah, you can have bullet points on there, but the expectation is that you'll go into much more detail 
when you're actually talking to your audience because it's meant to augment and add another layer to your already good spoken presentation, right? So the question there then is, how do you know the difference, right? I would say if you're preparing a presentation, if you can do it verbally 100%, then that's awesome. But in some subjects, obviously you need, I mean, philosophy is a good example of that. You could probably, in philosophy, political science, things like that, you can talk, um, you can give a lecture, you don't even need slides for that. And if you are using slides, then what is the purpose? And we'll talk about the questioning the purpose uh, a little bit later on. But, I mean, for things like engineering, math, science, all of these things, uh, usually to illustrate what you're talking about, it's really good to have a picture, it's really good to have a diagram, an animation, things like that. Um, so, if you're thinking about using PowerPoint, again, just think back to how you saw it used as you were a student growing up, going through university, college, even in high school. Um, I remember in high school, my parents, my, not my parents, my teachers used PowerPoint pretty, pretty heavily. And thinking back critically on that now, I really, really wonder why they actually did. Did they need to? I mean, we had whiteboards and we had blackboards and all that sort of thing. PowerPoint is just kind of the extension to that, but you can't change it as you're going, even though there's tools out there now that you can. You can write all over them using tablets and um, even your smartphone if you want to, things like that. Um, but yeah, just... When you're creating uh, lessons and you're, when you're creating lectures, try to think about the bare minimum use of uh, your slides. Like what would be the most impactful way to use those slides and uh, what would your audience get out of uh, those slides, right? If you're, again, posting uh, a slide that has like 300 words in one slide, question, like, is your audience actually going to read it? So that's another good way to think about it. Now, I'm not being overly critical of PowerPoint. I'm not being overly critical of PowerPoint or presentation software at all. I'm just raising this point to uh, make everybody think about why they use it, how they use it, and uh, how it actually benefits learning. Okay, So let's actually talk about that a little bit and unpack it. Um, Given that we've got different mediums of education now, I mean, 20 years ago, it was mainly face-to-face. -face. Um, there were some distance education programs going through, I like to call them Pony Express. It was like mailing out um, uh, VHS tapes or like maybe not eight-track tapes of audio, something like that. But you get the idea. Um, so now we have we have face-to-face, -face, we have online, we have blended, we even have mobile at this point. So for face-to-face, -face, that makes perfect sense. Um, I would actually like to break down a presentation or a lecture presentation into two categories for face-to-face. -face. Um, one would be dynamic. And what I mean by dynamic is that the presentation itself or the PowerPoint is a static thing. It was created, um, maybe it was created five years ago, maybe it was created five minutes ago, um, but it doesn't really change. It is just a set of slides that you go through, one, two, three, four. Um, it has your pictures, it has your elements in it, and it doesn't really change based on what's going on. Um, the other I would call dynamic, which means that there is actually uh, input into what it looks like from the audience. And maybe we'll do a subsequent episode on these systems, but um, there's uh, 
a good way to make them dynamic is to build in some sort of uh, classroom response system or a CRS. Um, and that can be in the case of uh, hardware that your university has or a college has. Um, it can also be in the form of, uh, there's a tool called uh, Poll Everywhere, and that allows for text responses, things like that. So you'd have a slide up and you would ask your students a question in your class, in your uh, lecture theater, wherever you are, and the students would actually respond and it would real-time update your slide for you. It would add uh, like a, um, a response uh, chart for the question that you asked. Like, And a good way to do this really simple entry way in is to cover a certain topic, um, ask if students understand it, yes, no, and then if it's a no, then you can adapt your presentation as you go. That way you're not married to just the static version of your presentation. You can go back, revisit things, um, you can even go off on another tree, open another presentation that goes more deeply into a topic if it turns out your audience is not really understanding the information that you're giving across. Okay, um, So for face-to-face, -face, it's really, really awesome. I mean, I think as teachers, we've been in the position uh, countless times where maybe especially for adjuncts, we're hired like a week before the class begins. And it's, it's a really simple thing to do to just throw together a PowerPoint and that will uh, fill an hour. And unfortunately, that, I mean, that's not the best uh, approach to teaching, obviously, but when you're given that short of a time to prepare a lesson, to prepare an entire class, including assessments, activities, all that sort of thing, PowerPoint is a really good uh, security blanket to fall back on, right? Um, you don't have to do that much uh, in, the, in the critical thinking of how to plan a lesson, things like that. You've got your lesson, and it's, I'm guilty of that. It's really sad, but that's sometimes, the, um, based on the amount of time we're given uh, for preparation, that's the best way and easiest way we can get in. At least that way we can get some Socratic uh, activities going. The students can ask questions. We can respond to those questions, things like that. Now, let's talk about distance applications for presentations. Okay, so if we think back about how PowerPoint came about, it came about, again, to give a visual element to a face-to-face -face verbal presentation or a lecture, right? Now, with online, there is no face-to-face -face interactivity. There's very little, unless you build this in, real-time activity. Most of the classes that you see are uh, asynchronous versus synchronous. That means that people are chiming in discussion boards, logging in whenever they need to. Uh, of course, there are some online classes where there are uh, live presentations um, and live kind of video chats and things like that going on. Um, but let's talk about that as a, as a difference. Um, if you're hosting or if you're giving a asynchronous class, meaning students can come in and go whenever they want, participate whenever they want, uh, there is really no Socratic activity going on there, right? I mean, if you're throwing up a presentation that is pre-recorded with your voice, and I know a lot of instructors who teach online, and they spend hours upon hours upon hours recording lectures, and I would question the worth of that activity. If all you're doing is giving information and the students can't really ask questions as you're giving that presentation. You can't give that presentation in a dynamic format, meaning that there's really no real-time feedback. Is it really worth your time to spend hours upon hours creating that lecture? Because all you're basically creating is a voice narration and 
text and visuals and graphs and all that sort of thing. But web pages have that, right? You can easily create a page in whatever LMS or VLA you're using. That's a learning management system or a virtual learning environment. Um, and you can throw pictures in there. You can type words. You can put charts. You can do all these things um, that are just those static pieces of content. Students can read that really, really easily. They can read it on their phones. They can read it on their tablets and their computers. They can print it out if they want to. Of course, they can print out PowerPoint, things like that. But it seems like me that it seems to me that using PowerPoint for an online environment and an online learning environment is sort of shoehorning one way of teaching into another way of teaching. And I'm sure in subsequent episodes we will actually get into that idea of shoehorning face-to-face -face into online because people who teach online generally come from teaching face-to-face, -face, right? That's the experience we all have as instructors, and that's what we're comfortable with. That what, that's what we could probably do with our eyes closed. But when we're moving to online, some of us don't have the uh, experience that we do in a uh, classroom. I mean, classroom's easy. You walk in, you start teaching, done. That's, that's how we do it. But for online, it's, a, it's essentially a different environment. It's walking into a classroom we don't know that much about, classroom dynamics, how to present, how to give content, things like that. Um, so maybe think about the alternative, um, different alternatives as far as getting your content across and building in some sort of interactivity into those activities. Um, I know that sounds redundant. Um, but what I've seen is um, if you're going to do a presentation for an online environment, make sure that there's an immediate discussion following that. So, for example, you'd say, um, here are my slides, which you can take from the face-to-face -face version of your class if you do that. And then you can say, look at this presentation, and then let's discuss it immediately after and give a really good uh, prompt for discussion so students are thinking critically about that. But your slides don't need to be like slides just full of text that students read because a web page can just be a page of text that students read, right? Um, when it comes to audio narration as well, uh, there's alternatives to that. You can, I mean, uh, PowerPoint has really, really good tools for recording your uh, uh, audio narration and adding that to your PowerPoint, and it does it in a way that it sort of creates a self-paced kiosk, or you can even do it as a movie now. It's really, really cool. Um, but again, you can create different ways of, um, I guess that creates a community, right? Especially for the online environment. Uh, that a teacher needs to show their social presence as a video or an audio. Otherwise, they're just this kind of um, apparition of somebody that exists, right? They're not really there unless you can actually see their face or hear their voice, something like that. So that, I would say, is a really, really good, important thing to do. Instead of uploading your PowerPoint files, like create videos, do that. Of course, try to avoid doing three-hour long ones. We all know how well that goes, especially when there's no interaction. Okay, I could talk about PowerPoint and online for hours, but I won't go on um, too far for that. Now, the key here is just to think about PowerPoint and think about your presentation software and understand why you are using them. Just to think critically about how you're using them and the pedagogical purpose behind it. So again, if you can deliver content with um, pictures uh, for online, I'm saying, if you can do it with just pictures and text and have students read that, super easy, done. It's way more accessible to them as far as they can read it on the train. Sometimes they need plugins to look at um, presentations, things like that. If you're doing it face-to-face, -face, 
again, just think about the purpose that it serves. Like, and not even um, the purpose that it serves is what effect does it have on the dynamic of the class? When we think about the title of this podcast again, Sage Without a Stage, using PowerPoint flips that back to the whole lecture model, right? It flips it back to people must face a certain direction in the classroom, they must look at you while you are speaking, and their eyes are glued to that screen because there's really nothing else going on. But if there's something that you can do in the classroom that um, gets their attention away from just a TV screen, which is essentially what they're doing, um, and gets them chatting with each other, looking at each other, looking at you, looking around the room, then try and think about alternate ways to present your content and present uh, ideas to your class, okay? Um, so again, thinking about understanding why you're using PowerPoint, People, again, they do what's most comfortable to them. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm lazy at all, but a lot of times when I'm giving a presentation um, at a conference or something like that, of course I'll use PowerPoint. It makes total sense to use PowerPoint because I need to express something visually that I can't draw in real time because I'm not a good drawer and I can't really express in words. Um, but the words that I'm using, they can be heard. Um, they don't need to be seen. So that's the biggest thing that I would stress about PowerPoint and uh, potential PowerPoint ad addiction that exists in some instructors. So just to wrap up, we've talked a bit about the history behind podcasts, their pedagogical purpose. Um, we've looked at the differences between their use in face-to-face -face and uh, the online environment. Um, and maybe just a final thought to leave you with is um, just think about how you use PowerPoint in your own presentations or in your own teaching, I would say. Think about the purpose that it serves. Think about the effect that it has on your students. Um, if your students are falling asleep, if they're bored, um, some people would argue that that's not the instructor's fault, but I come from a school that actually says that it is absolutely our responsibility as teachers to make sure our students don't fall asleep. So try something different. Um, a challenge that I've issued to other uh, instructors when I've done teacher education um, is actually to say, okay, if you use uh, PowerPoint five times a week, try using it four times then try using it three times. And that's a good challenge to set for yourself as far as uh, bringing in some more dynamic tools, bringing in some alternative tools, and ultimately separating that idea between presentation does not equal teaching. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, this will be a podcast every couple of weeks, so feel free to chime in on Twitter. We're at sage underscore podcast. Uh, and I'll see you next time.